Hi there, it's Brett. Thanks for listening to the Tuesday podcast of Mackling and McGarry, minus the Mackling. He's back next week. Today we talked to our pal Taz Stewart from Poolin's Pest Control about the return of the fish fly. Or is it called something else? From one bug to another, there's a new buzz around Great West Life. They've got some beehives on the roof. We'll tell you why. Also, it's plastic-free July, and the Green Action Center is challenging you. We are talking about Greyhound Canada. They're blaming a steady decline in ridership for their decision to end passenger bus and freight services in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. All but one route in BC will be cancelled when the changes come into effect at the end of October. The bus company says it's seen a 41% decline in ridership since 2010 and is also facing more competition from other forms of transportation. So today we're having coffee talking about our own Greyhound travel memories. Shanley Vidal is here. Behind the glass, Jerry, Jeff Braun, Kelly Moore. I confess, folks, I have never been on a Greyhound bus. My family in Manitoba is all in Winnipeg, and I have family in Ontario, way in southern Ontario, in Essex, which is just outside of Windsor. So if I'm going there, I'm going either by plane or I'm not going at all. <laughs> so... I, I have not been on a Greyhound bus. Wow. Shanalee, I know you've been on lots of buses, Kelly, because uh, hockey. But uh, Shanalee, you uh, were telling me, you sort of gave me the introduction of your story. I want to hear the rest of uh, this. Well, when you're when you're young and have a lot of time and you're a little stupid and feeling like a stalker, uh, Greyhound is a perfect option. So, <laughs> so I had kind of like when I was maybe uh, around 20 years old, I had a pen pal, but it was over over the internet, right? And we had just this this guy who was a musician. We had met maybe once before, and he because he would periodically come to Winnipeg when he was touring. So he was playing at I don't know if it's still around, but they had Prairie Music Week, and it was in Saskatoon. So. Uh, my friend and I decided we would surprise him and just show up there. So we took this 12-hour bus ride. Never been on a Greyhound bus before. It was quite the experience. And I think he was playing at a place called Hooligans. I don't even know if that that is, that is still around or anything like that. Uh, but it was super awkward because we, we got there. It was a lovely experience. Sorry, where, were you, where was this that you went? Uh, it was a place called Hooligans in Saskatoon. Saskatoon, okay. Yeah, and so 12-hour bus ride, went there. Uh, it was pretty much a surprise because he didn't talk to us at all at the show, and I was kind of confused, you know? He would he would kind of like, like quietly... Uh, saw me outside and he'd kind of talk to me and say how excited he was. He was there with his girlfriend. So he was kind of <laughs> key, trying to keep me a secret from his girlfriend and trying to keep me away from his girlfriend the whole time. So it didn't actually work out very well. So you were a side piece. Uh, I, I No, I was not a side <laughs> piece. I, I mean, I was very naive and I just thought, hey, he's my friend. There was, uh, at the time, there was no romantic entanglement oh, okay. with, at that time. All right. We'll say. You, uh, but you liked him. She traveled 12 hours on a bus to see him. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly Moore, <laughs> hockey, you must have a story. Well, yeah, hockey was always like on charter buses and that, but Greyhound bus was one year. Uh, we were on a, a family holiday. It was 1974. My mom broke her leg when we were going to watch the uh, Pasadena uh, parade. So right in the parking lot, she stepped on a curb the wrong way. So anyway, mm. my younger sister and I, uh, we got stuck on a bus from L.A., 
to mission in in the Fraser Valley. That was a, an interesting trip, uh, to say the least, because there was snow in L.A. Wow. That, that winter. Yeah, the bus was kind of wigwagging all over the road, so we weren't is quite it, sure. Is that when North America home. was mostly covered by glaciers? Uh, no, it was... <laughs> It was only 1974, Braun. But, you know, the other thing, too, we rely on Greyhound to ship Christmas goodies, like baking and stuff like that, uh, home to our daughter in B.C., so I'm not quite sure what we're going to do now. FedEx. Uh, It's frozen food, though. I'm Mm, I'm not sure. Yeah, Yeah, that's right, and then it can go in the freight. It's underneath, and you don't worry about it. How how big of a a package are we talking about? Uh, It usually costs us anywhere between $100 and $150 to ship it. Wow, that's cool that you guys do that. My parents do that, too, but just bake goods, so. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be frozen. Well, we, yeah, we might have to resort to just baked goods from here on in. What do they send you? Just like dry bagels that have nothing on no, them? Biscuits and butter tarts, yeah. Oh, okay. Butter, butter tarts. That sounds yeah. that's quite adventurous. It has you, butter on it, you know. Yeah. And? I, well, I thought you didn't like anything on anything. Oh, God. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bron, uh, you've got family out east. Or, do you yeah, ever take and a bus? I do. And the, the bus has been very handy. I've got... Uh, Friends in London, Ontario, which can be, you can fly there, but it's not really easy to fly there. And then if you want to get out of there, but not come back to Winnipeg, it's even, so I'd like get to London and then I could take the bus from London right to Union Station, downtown Toronto. And then your options are wide open for going out to the countryside to visit my parents and that sort of thing on a train and things like that. So I've and in New Brunswick, my grandma lived in Campbellton, and but there's no airport there, so I'd often end up on a bus from Campbellton to Moncton to get to the airport. And so it's very, it can be very handy. It's a, in Eastern Canada, it's a different. It's really is a used mode of transportation because things aren't as spread out as they are here. You know what I mean? There's more people, and it's way more people, so there's more riders and. Just more economically feasible, I guess. Jerry, you got about 45 seconds. Uh, when I was in college, I used to take the bus uh, on the weekends when I uh, was at the bar too long and didn't have enough money to take the train. I would take the bus home <laughs> from North Bay to London. You drank all your train money away. Yeah. So uh, the bus was a lot less expensive than the train. <laughs> you can send us your Greyhound awesome. memories. You can email Brett at cjob.com. I suspect this music is has been specifically chosen for our next guest. What is this, Jerry? It's Metallica, Seek and Destroy. Metallica, Seek <laughs> and Destroy. <laughs> Taz Stewart is here from Poolin's Pest Control. And uh, Taz, thanks for coming in, as always. Good to see you. Pleasure as always. Thank you. I, when I was on my vacation last week, I was inundated by this barrage of pesky insects these fish we we call them fish flies but i i I looked into it i think they're actually mayflies but uh is that what we we're used to seeing around here and that's a a misnomer and it seems manitobans like to call the the mayfly a fish fly because a true fish fly is actually a caramonid or a tapulid or a dioxid so they look like little mosquitoes one's fuzzy faced one's not and one looks like a big crazy long-legged fly so okay. those are the, the true fish flies. Okay. Do we have those in Manitoba? Yeah, you betcha. Lots of people think those, when they're flying above your head, those little flies, they think they're mosquitoes, and no, those are usually the fish flies. Now, oh. the big the big piles of dead uh, bugs, those are usually the mayflies with the long uh, double tail. Yeah, because they yeah. just, they, they come out, they're like this short-lived plague where they just come out, <laughs> depending on where you are. Like, I remember being at Granite Hills on uh, Lactor Bonnie two years ago, and there were just billions of them, and I'm not exaggerating, they were everywhere um but at dorothy lake 
midweek last week, they just appeared out of nowhere and suddenly they were all over the cabins. I had to sweep them off with a broom when I yeah. went outside to use the barbecue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's even places docks are full, they're loaded. And again, they're probably the shortest lived insect in the world. They, you know, they pop out of the water, they live in the water for about two years as uh, in the, the, the water stage and then they emerge, they mate and pretty much you're dead. 24 hours at the most. What a strange life cycle. <laughs> I totally agree with you. What's, what's the benefit there, right? Do they bite? <laughs> no, they do not. No, there's no biting mouth parts or anything. They don't feed during that time. It's literally... They don't have a mouth? They do, but they don't actually go search for a food source because, again, their purpose is to mate. The females lay the eggs and... Wow. <laughs> Dead. Um, so you, you, you joke that uh, you might need a shovel, but are there instances where that this kind of cleanup is needed? Yeah, I've seen uh, in, in the Gimli area, of course, uh, a couple of years ago, the dock was absolutely loaded and they were taking shovels, like snow shovels, and pushing them off. There was that many of them as they emerge, they die, they're attracted to lights and the whole bit. They're always on window sides of buildings and they just die in mass. Yeah, and they kind of stink too, right? They can, yes. Okay. <laughs> Add a little water and... Mm-mm-mm. So it's light that they're attracted to, not necessarily sweets or anything like, no, like that? No, exactly. Okay. Uh, now, as far as... Uh, so if, if you, have, say, have a, a lake property and they're around, is there anything you can do to keep them away from your property? If you wanted to control them, I, I personally wouldn't, but that's just me. But there are contact insecticides that you can knock them down really quick, and then you uh, also turn off your lights, uh, minimize any attractiveness to your property. So if you have a white house painted black, no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> How morbid. It's all good. <laughs> Is your house black? No, it's a nice beige. Okay. <laughs> and there's mayflies on it, so it's all good. Okay. Um, well, since you're here, we've got to talk about mosquitoes because I've heard a number, of pe- a number of people say that it seems like there are more of them. Are they imagining it? No, there, are, there has been a, a small emergence of uh, nuisance mosquitoes. The summer mosquitoes are out. Uh, I was out last night at, at dusk, you know, on the deck. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we got a couple bites, so they are they're present. But as again, it's not a bad number. I don't think in the next couple of weeks you're not going to see any more than a few bites per night, but it's important. West Nile virus, mosquitoes are out there. You should be wearing repellent. You know, personal protection measures are key. So uh, protect yourself, and when you start getting bitten, people start using the repellents. When you're not getting bitten, people don't, so more risk chances is there. Which uh, ones are the the ones that carry the West Nile? Uh, Culex tarsalis is the primary vector here in Manitoba. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how can how can you tell looking at them? Can you tell by looking at them? S- sadly, this mosquito, yes, you can. It's got a brightly banded proboscis or the nose that sticks into your skin, mm-hmm. uh, and then it's got brightly banded uh, legs, and it's a golden brown mosquito. And its butt, instead of being pointy, it's actually blunt. So if you wanted to get into a little entomology course, there, there you are. There's that's how you ID Culex tarsalis. Okay, <laughs> uh, but for, I just swat at will whenever I see a mosquito. So yes, I that's what most people do. But uh, like last night I was doing that and I hate to say it, I was doing the IDs going, oh, it's 80s Dorsalis. Oh, it's 80s Vexans. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell after looking at the after, squash? <laughs> after some minor squash, yes. It's always a good time. Um, why do some people react differently to mosquito bites? Uh, because uh, some people, they, they get a bite and nothing happens and others get a bite and they, they kind of swell up. Yeah, and that's, everyone's different. Uh, female mosquitoes are also different. They may like me and they not like you. So if you get fed on, the anti, pardon me, the saliva goes into your system, and if you have the immune response, you're going to get the nasty welt, and it's very itchy. About five to ten percent people don't even react to mosquito bites. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in that category, but if I go down south, the mosquitoes down there, I will react to those mosquitoes because the saliva might be a little bit different. And actually, we only got about a minute left here, but I yeah. want to ask you. Well, you you sort of mentioned it there. Sometimes is it, do bugs sometimes like 
one person versus another. Like I was golfing with someone a couple weeks ago at Bridges, and I guess there were like those little ankle biter black flies or whatever, mm-hmm. and they were devouring him, and uh, and they they didn't touch me. Yeah, and that's the thing. If you have the proper clone perfume, uh, your own personal smell. If you've been running around, sprinting around, you might be more attractive to another mosquito than not. So it's every every mosquito, they're picky. Let's say it's that way. So they'll do the little test landing. Oh, you're no good. I'll go to the next person. Oh, you're tasty. And then start trying to feed. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> and uh, if, if we need to get in touch... Uh, your services, how do we get a hold of Poolins? Hey, the, the famous number, 204-233-2500, and ask for myself, uh, and they'll put you right to me. All right. Taz Stewart from Poolins Pest Control. Thanks for the visit. Always appreciated. Thank you. Dwindling bee populations. We'll be getting a boost. Thanks to some new rooftop beehives. Great West Life, London Life, and Canada Life have announced the installation of beehives on the rooftops of their offices in Winnipeg, London, and Toronto. To tell us more about the new beehives, we're joined live on 680CJOB by Don Lacouillet, VP of Corporate Properties at Great West Life. Don, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So, why do this? Well, it's, it's, it's one part of our, I guess, our sustainability uh, initiatives that we're kind of in working on in our organization. Uh, bee populations are under uh, pressure across North America and we have a unique opportunity with uh, those three properties that you just mentioned. They all have green spaces around them with lots of flowers and lots of, uh, lots of food for, for a bee population. So we thought that that would be a, a great initiative for our, uh, for our staff and, and, and people in our communities to, uh, to put the, to make the, you know, the buildings available for beehives and, and the bee population to live in. Great West Life in Winnipeg, by the way, in case you're not sure, is at 60 Osborne Street North in Winnipeg. It's just at uh, Broadway and Osborne Southwest Corner. Which of the two buildings is going to get the the, uh, the beehive? Is it the, the the one that's further north or the one that's for the older building that's further south? The older uh, building that's further south. So they're currently sitting on the on the rooftop of the at just above the fifth floor. On the on the south wing, who's going to take care of them? Uh, bee Project uh, Apiaries. They actually uh, place the beehives there, and they they look after them for us. And then uh, they actually will remove the honey and process that at the end of the year. So uh, they look after them primarily. How did you get the bees up to the rooftop? Was it like did you have to like air drop them in on a parachute? No, they went they went up through the service elevator. Okay, that's brave. So, Any yeah, resist? There's an elevator, and then there's a, some stairways, so they carried them up and placed them there. Is there any? Has there been any resistance from the employees? Uh, none. 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 What happens if someone gets stung when they're out having a smoke? <laughs> well, um, it's it's no more risk than they would normally have. Uh, we have lots of flowers and lots of stuff around, so you have to be careful if you're uh, allergic to to bees. But for most staff, they'll never know they're there. So how much money, or how much money, how much honey is going to be produced by these, uh, these bees, do you think? I'm not sure. You know, there's, there's two hives up here. So we don't expect uh, a huge production from them, but uh, hopefully enough to, to use a little bit in our cafeteria. And, and our intention is to donate most of what we, uh, what gets produced there. 
Uh, oh, okay. So it's that that was going to be my next question. What will be done with the honey? So you mentioned one of the reasons why it's important to do this, but why specifically is Great West Life interested in this? Uh, you know, Great West Life is an insurance company. Why get in the, in, in the business of bees? Well, we we have uh, if you're familiar with our properties in in Winnipeg. There's, uh, you know, we have a fairly extensive green space and we put a lot of flowers. Like we're, we're proud of the, the grounds around our property and, and want to look after them and make them, um, you know, a, a good benefit for our staff and for the community around us. So we're always looking for initiatives that uh, make, our, uh, make our space a little better for our community. So we've, we figured looking after the bee population is, a, is just another component of that. All right. Well, Don Lacouillet from Great West Life, thank you very much for joining us to tell us about this. You're welcome. Don Lacouillet is VP of Corporate Properties at Great West Life. Once again, if you are just tuning in, the headline in this reads, Great West Life, London Life, and Canada Life offices buzzing with urban beekeeping installations. And as he said, there are two beehives atop the old Great West Life building at 60 Osborne Street North. They're being looked after by Bee Project Apiaries, and the honey will either be used in their cafeteria or donated as well. And here's an interesting fact uh, just in the news. According to Bee Project Apiaries, they say that honeybees typically forage for nectar within a two-mile radius of their hive, which, as Don mentioned, that's going to help pollinate the, the whole area, local ecosystems, many of the fruits and vegetables that end up on our kitchen tables will be taken care of by these bees. Bee Project estimates nearly one-third of our food, one-third of our food is dependent on pollinators like the honeybee. M. Night Shyamalan has done a lot of things wrong in his career. One of those films was The Happening. But he had it right. When the, with the line Mark Wahlberg saying, where are the bees going? No one, no one cares about the bees. Terrible movie, by the way. Apparently, honeybees are disappearing all over the country. Tens of millions of them just disappearing. There's no bodies, no sign of them. They're just mysteriously gone. It's scary, huh? But the bees disappeared and then nature turned on us. So we got to take care of the bees. It's not easy being green. And who is this, Jerry? That is Sophie Millman. Sophie Newman? Millman. Millman. Yes. I have not heard this version. <coughs> like Canadian Chanteuse. Oh, a Canadian Chanteuse. Yes. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Behind the Glass, Jerry. The reason why Jerry is playing that particular song is it's Plastic Free July at Green Action Center. We've been talking about plastic straws a lot lately. Starbucks announcing that they're going plastic straw free in Canada by 2020. Vancouver is going to be the launch pad for that initiative. So to talk about Plastic Free July, we're joined in studio by Bethany Damon, who is Living Green, Living Well coordinator for the Green Action Centre. And indeed, she is Living Well, Living Green. Got the bike helmet here. Usually, whenever we have someone from the Green Action Center here, they, they, there is a bike helmet that is attached <laughs> to that person. So, yeah. welcome. This is your maiden voyage with us, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Plastic Free July, what is that? 
So Plastic Free July started in Australia um, and has now become a worldwide campaign um, encouraging people to move away um, from using so much plastic in their life. This year, the specific focus is on single-use plastics. So that includes things like your grocery shopping bags, um, your straws, which you mentioned, um, plastic uh, cups or the coffee cups that you get at at coffee shops often will contain plastic in them and those actually can't be recycled. Um, and then also takeout containers and cutlery. So those are kind of the main things that we're focusing on encouraging people to bring their own um, or find places that are using things like compostable packaging and stuff. So we'll get into some of the events that are happening as part of as part of uh, Plastic Free July. But uh, the plastic straw, for example, this is uh, somebody asked us a question earlier today. Her name is Joan, and I'll just pull up the exact uh, wording of that. But she said, oh, "Hang on a second here. I am puzzled by how plastic straws exceed plastic bags as a threat to the environment. I mean this sincerely." What's your reaction to that? Um, my opinion is that they're pretty much on the same level. Um, I think that the traction of the plastic straw is definitely picking up a lot within media because it's something that's newer. Plastic bags um, have, this conversation has been around for a lot longer. And I think that, well, many of us have seen that turtle turtle video where they're removing the straw from the nose and I think that that is something that a lot of people kind of have started thinking about. Um, I think it's very valid that conversation but I think that plastic bags is still a conversation that we need to have. Um, in my opinion they're they're very equal but people are are using their reusable plastic bags a lot more than they are bringing their own straw. So I think that that is just kind of slowly becoming more of a thing whereas we've been having this plastic bay conversation for longer. Yeah, like I use, uh, I don't have a big garbage can at home, so if I get plastic bags when I go to Safeway or whatever, I use those as my trash bags. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Or yeah, I mean, it's definitely good to, if you get a plastic bag, to reuse it for sure. Um, there are definitely creative ideas that you can use if you're like, oh, um, I don't have a plastic bag for my trash can, so I need to go to the grocery store, and next time I purchase groceries, need to get a plastic bag. Um, there are bags that you often get for bread or other larger packaging that you can actually put your wet garbage in if you want, mm -hmm. and then your dry garbage. You don't even need to put in a plastic bag, so then you could eliminate um, getting those plastic bags altogether. Um, but if you have it, it's definitely good to reuse it. We would encourage people still to to get bring their own reusable plastic bag and then find other creative ways to deal with your garbage um where do you get a reuse like so we're talking i'm guessing yeah. we're talking about something a bit more industrial strength than just uh your run-of-the-mill grocery bag yeah for sure so there's lots of different grocery stores now that at the front of the store you can actually just purchase a reusable shopping bag mm. um at green action center we have some fun little living green living well ones so if you don't have a reusable shopping bag um, feel free to come down to our office and we'll make sure that we hook you up with one. 
Um, Points scored for getting the plug-in for the product. <laughs> I got also, you, you mentioned carrying your own straw. Yeah. Where do, where do I, if I want to get a reusable straw, where do I get that? Yeah, so a lot of different um, health food stores will have them. Um, I know that uh, Generation Green on Main Street carries them. I'm assuming that Vita Health does, but I actually haven't personally purchased one there. Um, you have one. I do have one. What's it made of? It's made of stainless steel. Stainless steel, okay. Yeah, so, um, and with it came uh, one of the, it's kind of like a pipe cleaner, um, and you can just clean it out with it so that uh, you're never getting it super dirty inside. Um, I often just run really hot water through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not as concerned if I'm just drinking clear liquids, but if I'm drinking a smoothie or something, then I'll be sure to use the... Pipe cleaner style cleaner. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're, if you're like sucking on a milkshake or yeah, something, exactly. you don't want that getting stuck in. Yeah, getting stuck for sure. in there. Um, how does you, you you reference the straw and the turtle's nose? And I've seen, I watched Blue Planet too, and I saw yeah. the, the episode they did when the all the trash in the ocean, and it's heartbreaking and, and sad and frustrating. How does all that crap end up in the ocean? Like, if I throw something in the garbage that gets taken to the dump, how does that then make its way? To the west or east coast. Yeah, so the struggle is that our waterways are connected. Um, So something will end up being in the landfill, and if it's a plastic bag that you just threw in your trash and it's not actually being weighed down by anything, um, it can actually just end up floating away and getting caught and ending up in a waterway. And once it's in the water, it's weighed down from the water, so it ends up floating away. Um, And then the other thing is just litter. Um, litter is obviously located in various different places of our city and everywhere. Um, and so it's easier for it to just travel from wherever it is into, into the waterways because it's, vicinity is often closer than the landfill. I was coming to work a couple of weeks back. It was an evening and there was a storm that was blowing in from the south and I was par- I was at the red light just next to or just, oh sorry, not, not next to us but over at uh, Ness to turn left onto St. James to head towards where we are here at Polo Park. And I watched a plastic bag sort of floating around, and then it shot like a rocket about 200 feet into the air and went past the mall in like five seconds. Yeah, it was that no, windy. it's crazy. Um, my window at the office is overlooking, uh, I think it's Donald, and I will often just see um, floating. We're on the third floor. I'll see garbage floating through the air, plastic bags, um, is the primary thing. There's something else that looked like a plate the other day, which like <laughs> doesn't seem realistic. Maybe just a funny shaped garbage bag. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. It's just, it's everywhere. What is the simplest way that somebody can, can take that first step? Um, so I would say that the first step is thinking about, um, the plastic that you use in your life, the single-use plastics. So whether that is you go out for coffee every day and you get um, a toss-away coffee cup from from the coffee shop, or um, you never bring your own plastic bag or never bring your own bags to the grocery store and instead just use the plastic bags. Think about the things that you're using in your life. Um, think about 
um, ways in which that you can cut down on that plastic use and then start actually making those changes. So on our website also, we have 10 really simple ways. I won't go through them all right now just for the sake of time. But yeah, um, you know, we actually, can, we don't have any time. Yeah. Left, so. <laughs> yeah, so people can check out on our website and uh, and see those simple ways there. Okay, greenactioncenter.ca is the website. Our guest is Bethany Damon, Living Green, Living Well Coordinator for the Green Action Centre. Plastic-free July, the challenge is on. We're challenging you. Bethany, thanks for telling us about this. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm Brett McGarry. Greg Mackling is back next week. Behind the Glass, Jerry, the farewell tour continues. Only three more days left at CJOB before the trader, I mean, before our good friend, moves over to Global Television, uh, Shanley Vidal content producer for The Morning Show. We all thank you for listening to 680 CJOB.